this morning. We're going to jump into uh, Matthew chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, open there. I'll put it on the screen for you as we go, if not. Um, but as we, uh, as we go, we're talking about strong and weak, and we're, we're approaching the Christmas story and seeing um, the elements in there that are about uh, the strength of God and also the perceived weakness. And, and, and our, you know, our desire, our longing to be strong with the reality that we are often so weak and, and fall often so short of what we'd like to be able to do. And just that's the way that God works. And so as we, as we start this, what I want to do this morning is we're, we're picking up where we left off after the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18. And what Matthew gives us next after proclaiming the big picture of who Jesus is and, and this line that he's come through, he gives us a uh, snapshot into the life of Joseph. So everything we go through this morning is told exclusively from Joseph's point of view. We get to experience it the way that Joseph experienced it. Mary is in there, but we're not seeing it as she saw it, experiencing as she saw it. We, got to, we get to see it from Joseph's perspective. And I want to start us in a more um, cinematic sense this morning, okay? So we're going to pretend like we're watching a movie. And if I was creating a movie out of this whole thing, um, we'd, we'd start, okay, we're in like 0 AD is like where we're starting here, okay? And Jesus is about to be born. But we start with one of these flashbacks, okay? 400 years previously comes onto the screen, and we look back and we see there's a king. It's King Ahaz, and he is the king over Judah. It's like the last remaining bit of the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah, and Ahaz is the king. And he's the king in the line of David. He's one of the characters in this genealogy. And Ahaz is in his palace, and he's pacing back and forth. And you can see he looks worried. He's stressed. And if we look out, we can see along the borders of the kingdom of Judah, there are two armies simultaneously coming against Judah. And it's Syria, this nation of Syria, and there's also Israel who split off from Judah and left them and forsook the ways of God. And so here's little Judah, and there's these two kingdoms coming up against it. Ahaz is worried. Isaiah tells us in, in his um, telling of it, he says, the heart of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Okay, so that is poetic and everything, but you basically is just saying they were scared out of their minds, okay? Everybody's scared, and here's the king. He's got to hold it together. He wants to have a good rule. He wants to have this legacy, and so here he is, and he's worried. He's afraid. What's going to happen? Now, Ahaz, in the back of his mind, knows what has to be done, okay? He's, he sees these armies. We can't possibly defeat these armies, but there is this kingdom of Assyria, and Assyria is this um, notoriously cruel um, army and big, powerful nation. And they're, they're like out there, and he's going to make an alliance with them. He's going to ask them, please, hey, we will pledge allegiance to you. We will do whatever you ask us to do, but please deliver us from these armies. So here's Ahaz, okay? Now, as Ahaz is stressing about this and he's figuring out, what am I going to do? In walks Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. And the prophets were nuts, Okay. The prophets would not be good dinner, to, dinner guests. They would not be people you'd want over. I assume that they smelled. They probably did. And they always were telling you things that you didn't want to hear. But in walks Isaiah, okay? And Ahaz is looking, and Isaiah says, okay, look, Ahaz, this is what you need to know. The Lord has spoken to me, and the Lord told me, these two kings that are standing out here, these two armies, they are not going to defeat you. They are not going to take it, Judah captive. Um, they are not going to win in all this. And God wants you to be certain and confident of that. And so he has offered any sign. So you pick, Ahaz, any sign that you want to say, okay, Lord, do this, and that'll be a sign, a confirmation to me that I don't need to be afraid and that you are going to destroy these other nations. Now, Ahaz is sitting there, and he had to have pondered that, right? Take it seriously. Okay, that's a pretty cool offer. 
from the Lord. But Ahaz was wrestling between his confidence in Assyria and the military might of this kingdom coming up against that, that could help them deliver them and his own doubt and faithlessness in the power of God. And so Ahaz tries to be pious a little bit. He's like, ah, I'm not going to test the Lord. No, I don't need a sign. Like, we're going to be fine with all this. And so Isaiah comes back and he says, okay, Ahaz, if you're not going to ask for a sign, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And here is where we pick up our story. And here's what the sign that he gives. He says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, as Isaiah says this, okay, we look over in this film that we're watching and we see Ahaz and he must have had this kind of wry smile because he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I would expect a nutty prophet of the Lord to say, right? We've got a real military threat and you promised me a sign. This is exactly what I knew was coming, okay? Yeah, okay, the virgin will give birth to a son and you call his name Emmanuel. That's great confirmation, Isaiah. Thanks a lot. Um, Really leaves me in a good place here. Ahaz knew he was not going to turn to the Lord for this. He was going to um, turn away. Now, here's what we do. We start zooming out from this moment, okay, this brief moment in history. We zoom out, and as we start zooming out, we're going to cut 400 years in the future, and so with my great post-production skills, we would put into this whole thing, you'd see just this faintest gleam, right, of um, the, uh, a little a baby being born, okay? A woman who was a virgin at the time that Isaiah spoke these words, but had since gotten married, has a little baby, and there's this reminder of Emmanuel, God with us, this promise that God is going to be with us. And as we zoom just a little bit out, we see these armies on the boundaries of, it, of is Israel be supernatural de- supernaturally defeated and carried off and whatever else, and then we quickly come 400 years later, back to the present day of 0 AD, and here now we stand with Matthew, okay? And when we come to Matthew, here's what we see from the beginning of the story. I'm going to read the first couple verses here, 18 and 19. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary uh, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So here's where we pick up. So we've cut 400 years into the future, okay? And here's Joseph. And what we see, Joseph is pacing in his house. And he's nervous and he's worried and he doesn't know what to do because this, this great man has been uh, betrothed. He's got a fiance, okay? And back then, like for us now, it's like be as clever as you can, get down on one knee, propose, and just hope she says yes. Back then, it was this whole big thing where the families discuss and the families come together and there's a ceremony with witnesses present saying, okay, these two are now engaged. They're going to be married. And to call that off, you've got to do a little reverse ceremony of a couple of witnesses and signing some paperwork to call it off. It takes a divorce to break an engagement at this point in history. And here's Joseph, and he's, he's engaged to the girl of his dreams, uh, Mary, who, like, at this time, a girl getting married would have been, like, 12 or 13 years old. So she's this sweet little thing that he's getting to marry, okay? And he's so excited until he finds one day, before they come together for their marriage, that Mary is pregnant, okay? And Joseph is probably the only one that knows for sure that he's not the father of this baby, okay? And so here he is, and you can see Joseph just pondering, what am I going to do? And we can hear, we can just imagine and we can hear the voices and the whispers that had to have been going on at this time, right? You just think in our, our little church family here, okay? And someone's pregnant and Joseph is in, you know, they're engaged or whatever. And Joseph's like, hey, I'm not the father. And everyone's like, 
sure you're not Joseph. We know how this works, right? Um, even if they didn't think it was Joseph, right, you can hear the whispers that people would have said if this was like the church of um, Judea at this time, of, of Bethlehem or whatever at this time. Things like, okay, look, I'm not one to judge. You know me. But I see the way that Mary is with those boys, with the men that are around her, and I can't say I'm that surprised, right? Um, we'd say things like, okay, yeah, look, sure, Mary portrays herself like a great Christian, but imagine getting pregnant before the wedding. This is disgraceful, right? We can hear the whispers of people looking at Mary and Joseph together and saying, okay, look, yeah, they're telling us that God is doing this, that no, she, of course, she wasn't impure, right? Um, God put the baby in her womb. Sure, sure. Like, you can claim that all you want, but we all know God doesn't work like that, right? And all the rumors that would have flown around, all the whispers that Joseph and Mary would have heard, and here we're hearing it from Joseph's perspective, and so he's sitting here, and he's hearing all these things, and it says that her husband Joseph, he was a just man, but he was unwilling to put her to shame, and he resolved to divorce her quietly. So Joseph hears the rumors, he sees the situation, certainly he's hurt by it as well, right? Whether he believes Mary or not, at this point we don't really know. But he's sitting here, and Joseph is, it says, a just man. He's a man that does what is right, okay? And what do you do at this point in history if, if your fiancé is pregnant before you've come together for the wedding? What do you do? Well, the law actually allows for uh, a group of people to come around and throw stones at her until she's literally killed, okay? The law allows for that. They weren't doing that as much at this time. So Joseph, he, he, can't, he can't be soft on sin, he can't look the other way. He can't just say, ah, let's pretend it didn't happen. Let's just go ahead and get married. No, Joseph is a just man, but he loves Mary. He can't bring himself to hate her, and so he's going to put her away quietly. Just a quiet little cer ceremony. A couple of witnesses will sign the paperwork. They'll be divorced. The rumor mill will do its thing. Everyone will find out, and uh, then he can live his life and be just and at peace and everything else, right? Whatever the rumors were, right, whether the rumors were that Mary got pregnant um, with somebody else or with Joseph, neither option was acceptable. Neither one could go through. And all these voices are leading Joseph to this place where he's resolved he's going to divorce her quietly. The kind thing to do, but the right thing to do. Divorce her quietly, move on. Now, I feel like if we just kind of pause from our movie watching there, okay, if, I, if I'm trying to put myself in Joseph's shoes, I think the question comes down to, okay, he's there, he's in a, a tough situation for sure, but he's hearing the voices of the people around him, and I, I just see, man, how loud those voices can be, and they're telling him things that actually make sense to him, right? Telling him things that make sense, like, hey, Joseph, I don't know if you're aware of this, but people don't just get pregnant uh, by God, the Spirit of God. I've never seen it happen before, right? That's very reasonable, and Joseph would be like, yeah, you know, honestly, Joseph, you know what the right thing to do is to divorce her. And you can do it in a nice way, but you've got to divorce her. And you can hear Joseph mulling it over and being like, yeah, I know, I know. And see, the, these voices that are around, I mean, some of them are judgmental, of course, right? Everyone says, I'm not judgy, but we all are. That's in there. Um, they, they are often their religious voices, okay? And so they're telling him the right thing to do. This is how you be biblical, right? This is how you stand firm on truth. This is how we keep from affirming sin, and we've got to stand firm on these things, right? And there's these calls and these voices, and some of them sound so, so good, and the problem is, is that for Joseph and for us, so many of these voices find a resonance down in our own heart, right? And so they're voices we hear externally, but they're also voices that we've been speaking to ourselves, right? Things like, 
okay, I just made a big mistake. I've made too many mistakes. There's no way God's working in this situation. God's working through me. He's going to have to work through somebody else, right? Um, we hear voices that question, like, our worth, right? They question our value, question whether we're capable, whether we're good enough, whether we belong, right? We hear the voices of doubt that look at the people that love us and say, okay, maybe, maybe we've been, like, actually betrayed by someone that we love deeply. And say, you know what, deep down, they're right. They're right to betray me. That, that spouse, that child, um, that coworker, that boss, like that, that pastor, that, that wh- whoever it is, right? They're right to turn away from me because I'm not good enough. I have been a fraud this whole time. It was just a matter of time until everybody figured it out. And so there's all of these voices. There's all these rumors. There's all these whispers. And they're going on, along all around us. And the problem is Joseph here is saying, okay, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it the good thing. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do it kindly, and I'm going to divorce her quietly. If we let the voices that speak, that cause doubt, that question us, that resonate with our own souls, if we let these voices speak, the problem is they set us on a trajectory that's not the right one, right? If we listen to these voices that cast doubt, that say things different than what God says, but we, we give them the force of God in a sense, if we let these things speak to us, they end up writing a different kind of a story for us. And we follow that story because we're reacting to what everybody around us says. And Joseph here is going to be given this opportunity to see it differently, to do it differently, to hear it differently. And here's the one detail in this whole thing that, that shows, like that tells, gives Joseph a path forward and shows it's different than everyone's saying. It says that before they came together, in verse 18 there, before they came together, she was found to be with child by, like from, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so here is the reminder. In the midst of this, every, every rumor, nobody's whispering about this, but here's the reality. From the Holy Spirit, God is doing something in the midst of this. And so the question is, like, will Joseph be able to hear? Now, here's what happens next. In verse 20. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So here is Joseph in that plight. He knows what he has to do, and he's ready to do it. And here comes an angel of the Lord, another voice speaking to him. And this voice comes in a dream, okay? So nobody else is hearing about this, just Joseph in his dream. And the voice says, hey, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. I love the call to step away from the fear, okay? Because the fear is, what if all these voices are right? What if I go ahead and do it? Will I be sinking myself? Will I lose my reputation, right? We fear that the voices are right. We fear that they're more powerful. We fear that the, what everybody else says and thinks and perceives about us is going to matter the most. And so we give them that power. But imagine, imagine the bravery it would take for Joseph at a time like this to have followed the angel's advice. Okay, it'd be nice if the angel came and announced to everybody in the whole town, everybody in the whole church, like, hey, everybody, listen up. Mary has not been immoral. This is me doing this. If you're mad at her, you're mad at me, right? Joseph, I'm telling, so if God had like told that to the community, man, they'd be in great shape, right? Like everybody could celebrate together, but no, God comes to Mary in a dream, quietly, right? Uh, in In a vision, a dream, an appearance of an angel, comes to Joseph in a dream. And these are quiet whispers from the Lord saying, hey, don't be afraid. I'm not going to set the record straight publicly. I'm not going to like make this easy for you, but don't be afraid to take Mary's wife because I am the one that's doing it. It's the Holy Spirit that's made her pregnant, right? And, and so jump into this thing. So Joseph, to have the bravery to follow that, sinks his reputation, right? Oh, Joseph, yeah, 
Joseph doesn't care about sin. Mary sinned. Joseph doesn't care about it. Or Joseph was involved in it. They're living in this um, adulterous relationship, right? There may not be physical death in the bravery that he showed, but it was a death of, like, social standing, right? Death of probably some friendships. So you can imagine what his in-laws must have thought, right? All these um, disapproving things coming around them. Maybe even there's, like, a career cost as Joseph is a carpenter at this time, and there's other carpenters who have not been um, disreputable that you can go to, you know? But in the midst of this, as Joseph is being called to bravery, like, look at all the signs of what God's actually doing. So all the whispers, everyone perceives it a certain way, but what is God actually doing in the midst of this? Like, what we see here is Mary is pregnant by the Spirit of God, okay? Now look, I'm not a biologist, but I know how babies are made, okay? And it is not like this, okay? God is stepping into creation, and he's giving this act of creation that looks different than what we've ever seen before, okay? But it's God doing this, right? So God, who like formed the world in seven days, and now he then gets into the dust, and out of dust he makes the first man, Adam, right? And he takes Adam and he pulls a rib, and out of that rib, God makes Eve, his wife, right? And puts them together. Like, people aren't made like that, and yet that's what God did. He created this humanity. And here we are now, thousands of years later, and God is on the move in this new creative act that he's doing, and he takes uh, the raw whatever inside of Mary's womb, and knits it together into this child that's going to be born. It's this new act of the Spirit creating in a way that doesn't fit what everyone expects, but God is doing something beautiful and new. And what is he making in her womb? It's a son, and you're going to call his name Jesus. You're going to call his name Jesus. Jesus is the same name. It's like the Greek firm, firm, uh, form of uh, Joshua, the name Joshua, and it means Yahweh is salvation. It's a reminder that God saves his people. And so here's this child, and this child is going to be Yahweh's salvation. This reminder that God is going to save his people. And what is he going to save his people? He will save his people. Everyone at that time, every, all these Jews living at this time were waiting for God's salvation, okay? And for them, it looked like this. They were um, God's kingdom. They were his people. They had his temple. Everything was good and right. But then eventually, they were taken captive. They were carried away from their land, right? They were taken away from their kingdom, and they're living in exile. They're, they're, they're lost. They're hoping that God will one day um, rule again. They're conquered by um, like Alexander the Great conquers them, the Roman Empire conquers them, and they're living there oppressed, they're overtaxed. You know, taxation without representation really makes Americans frustrated, and you can imagine it made them pretty frustrated too. And so here they are in this situation, and they're crying out for salvation. God, save us. Everybody knew that they needed saving. But what did they need saving from? They needed saving from the Romans. They needed saving from people that were, um, you know, just oppressing them, right? But what does the angel say to Joseph in his dream? He tells them he's going to be Jesus. He's going to be Yahweh's salvation because he will save his people from their sins. They were right to see that they needed salvation, right? But what they needed saving from was way deeper than anybody ever imagined. We need saving from the brokenness in our own hearts, right? All the brokenness around us, of course, right? But also the brokenness that's deep down inside. And so the angel speaks and says, okay, here is what this child is going to do this deep, deep problem. And so that for just to like zoom back and get perspective, this is like a big thing. This promise of like Yahweh is salvation. He's going to save his people from these sins. These are big words. But remember how they're being spoken and who they're being spoken to. I think this is so crazy. He's coming like the God of everything, right? The God who is like orchestrating all these global events that's going to change the course of history. Like this moment, like 
Paul says in Galatians that it was at the fullness of time that Christ came. So this is like the high point in all of human history. God is doing the big thing that everyone's been waiting for. But how is he doing it? Who's he doing it to? Who's he telling? It's one woman who's pregnant before she's married. And it's one man that God's coming and whispering to in a dream. This is, all, this is, this is it. Nobody else knows. Nobody else cares. Nobody else can possibly understand. They're all whispering about these two. But here it is, and it's just, at this point, words that God's speaking. This is what I'm doing. I I love the thought that, you know, Mary and Joseph are just standing there, and it's their crisis, right? They're the ones figuring it out. Joseph is like, I love Mary, but I've got got to divorce her. Like, that's the right thing to do. I've got to, he's wrestling with that. Mary's wrestling on her side. These two people and their wrestle, which is a pretty big one, right? It's just about them, and it's just about what God's speaking to them. And yet we know if we zoom back far enough, man, this is what God is doing globally. This is what God is doing throughout all human history. This is the big thing, the big moment where God is sending. And the question is, as God whispers to these two, which voice is Joseph going to listen to? Is he going to listen to all the voices from all the people that he's ever trusted, all the people that, you know, held him as a baby and lived in this society with him when they were in this small town church with him? Who is he going to listen to? And if he listens to the public opinion, then Christmas is canceled, you know? Like, like uh, Obama tried to do it to us and cancel Christmas, but nope. If he listened to these people here, I'm, I'm being facetious, you guys. Nobody's canceling Christmas. We're doing great. Um, if he listened to the public opinion of the people around him, Christmas is canceled. It, it never happens, right? If he listens to the religious leaders at the time, the people speaking into this whole situation and, and telling everybody what's right, if he listens to them, there's no Christmas, right? If he listens to his own wisdom and what makes sense to him, his own doubts that he has about Mary and the situation, if he listens to any of that, there's no Christmas, there's no redemption, there's no salvation through Jesus, right? But what happens instead is uh, uh, Joseph chooses to listen to the voice of the Lord. And I think that is so beautiful, and it's such a needed reminder for all of us, because we are in a world and we're in a society where we are plagued by doubt, and we constantly hear voices telling us what to do, okay? We constantly do, and we know that it's true, right? If it's, if it's your parents, if it's your spouse, if it's your, um, if it's your neighbors, if it's your church community, if it's your judgy pastors, like whoever it is that's putting this on us, we know what it's like to hear those voices. And I think the call and the reminder here is to remember, okay, God sometimes whispers and speaks to us, and nobody else can hear it sometimes. Nobody else can hear it. But it doesn't matter because if he has said something to us, if he's affirmed something in us, if he's promised us something, we listen to that. We believe that, right? Believe what he said. Believe the way that he's nudged us. The, the person that he's led us to, the person that he's called us to, to go and, and befriend or to love or to bless or something, right? We believe those nudgings. We follow him. Even if it seems too big for us, like we'd be embarrassed to tell it to somebody else. Um, even if it's terrifying for us to step out and act on it. Um, the call is to hear the quiet whisper of the Lord uh, rather than the, the loud whispers of the people that are all around us. I mean, the reality is people whisper uh, these things. The whispers aren't, are not quiet, and they're not meant to be quiet, right? They're whispers that carry, and they go, and we process, but we got to listen to the voice of the Lord. Now, here's, here's something I love, because we have this whisper from the Lord here, right? But then he ties it back, and here's, here's how our, our whole movie ties together here, Okay ties it back to this really old whisper that the Lord gave. He says that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this strange sign, 
that, that hundreds of years ago, God had given to Ahaz, and that Ahaz could not possibly have appreciated. This strange sign where he says, look, I'm going to give you the sign. The virgin's going to give birth to a son. You're going to call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? That's how you know I'm going to defeat these armies. And yes, at the time, if you look in the next chapter, there's a, a baby born to a woman who was a virgin at the time the prophecy was made. It was this young woman that gets married, has a child. It's this reminder that God's with us. Well, now we see Matthew is saying, okay, yeah, there's these things, Joseph, I'm telling you right now, but don't forget that thing that I said forever ago, 400 years ago, that, man, the virgin is going to give birth. And virgin meant something special in that context. But let me tell you, now you wouldn't have dreamed it, but an actual virgin is going to give birth to a child, right? You're going to call his name Emmanuel, right? Back then, it meant it was a reminder. This child being born is a reminder that God is with us, and he's going to deliver us from these physical enemies. But now I'm telling you this, that his name is going to be called Emmanuel because he's not going to remind us that God is with us, but he's going to be God with us. And nobody would have expected, like everyone had forgotten these words that God spoke forever ago. It wasn't on the tip of their minds, like the, the tip of their tongue or the top of their minds or anything like that. Um, Joseph, I'm sure, wouldn't have had it in mind as he's coming, but God is now speaking in a way that is so powerful. And th this is the reminder for, to me of the strong and the weak, okay? Because when God acts, we know that God is strong, right? God is all-powerful. He created the world. He creates each of us. Like, he does the impossible constantly. So God is the one who is strong. But when God, with all the power of heaven at his disposal, wanted to act in human history in the most powerful way that he could— what did he do? Okay, he, would, he did not become God over us in that moment, okay? Though he certainly is sovereign, he is over us. But when God wanted to act with all the power of heaven, it wasn't God over us. It wasn't God on behalf of us. What did he do? He came to be God with us. And man, that is beautiful, and it's counterintuitive, and it's not strength in the way that we typically think of strength. It looks like weakness to the world. And often, I will admit, it looks like weakness to us. When you see a baby lying in a manger, I mean, the most vulnerable way that God himself could possibly have come, and he came not to rule us in that moment, not to, not to dominate our enemies in that moment, but he came just to be with us and to grow and to live and just to be alongside of us. It's these promises of who God is. We want a Savior who fixes things. We want a Savior who's a warrior, who fights for things. We want a Savior who's a healer. And of course, Jesus is all those things, right? But at this moment, at Christmas time, we remember that God in his infinite power sends a Savior who is a brother to humanity, right? Um, he's a friend, who, someone who bears our burdens along with us. He's a family member, someone that journeys alongside of us. And of course, like we all reach a point as Jesus comes to be with us and to carry our burdens alongside of us as we struggle through life, he's there with us. Of course, we reach that point, right? where our knees just give out totally and we fall to the ground and we fail utterly, right? And at that point, Jesus just takes the whole burden himself, walks it to the cross, right? Pays the penalty on our behalf, carries that burden alone and shows us, man, it, it has never been about how much you can accomplish. It's all forgiveness. It's all free. It's all in me doing this. But once he does that and offers this price, he's Emmanuel. Once again, he's God with us right? Picking up our burden with us, pulling us to our feet, and walking day by day in this journey with us. Strong versus weak. Wh which, where is the strength in this whole thing? Like, God did not come dominating. God, God did not come in the power of the Assyrian army. God came simply just being with us as Jesus. And man, we didn't see it. We didn't recognize it. We still don't. But it doesn't make it any less powerful or any less true.
And so here is this old whisper that God spoke so long ago on these things that God had said 400 years priorly, prior that would have seemed totally irrelevant to everybody. And yet here is God taking his words that he spoke a long time ago and infusing new life into them, showing them these words are not irrelevant. These words have not lost any of their power. They're still at work. And it's still, I'm still going to change the world through these words that I spoke so long ago. It still matters. The call for us, I think, is this. So as we look at our situations, all right, strong, weak, I feel like we, often we feel weak. These days, we feel weak, we feel exhausted. We're, I, like, I'm already tired from the Christmas season, and it's December 5th, okay? This is bad. We're not in good shape. But as we feel the weakness in the midst of all of it, and especially, like, I, I, I know what some of you guys are facing. There's really complex family dynamics that you're, like, have been stepping into and are about to step into. There's, there's empty seats at the table that were filled even a year ago, maybe two years ago, maybe 30, 40 years ago, but you still feel the absence of that person. There's, there's strained family relationship, relationships where you're not going to get together or you're going to get together and you know it's going to be tough, right? There's uncertainty about finances, about job loss. There's all kinds of things that I know from talking to different ones of you. It just weighs on us, right? It just weighs on us and we're walking through and we don't feel, feel particularly strong in this season, but the reminder is this, as we walk through, there's the things that God is going to speak to us and remind us of as we walk through. He's going to speak to us. He's going to affirm his love. He's going to affirm a specific calling. He's going he's to tell some of you guys, like, whisper to you, like, hey, you're in a difficult marriage. I'm, reminder, I'm in that marriage with you. I'm carrying you through it, right? You're in a difficult season. You've got an impossible choice to make. You don't know how you're going to do it. Don't worry. I'm going to be in the midst of it with you. Whatever God says to you individually is beautiful, and you need to listen to that voice more than your own and more than what the people around you are saying. But also, maybe there's this ancient old word that God spoke forever ago that is still speaking and is still powerful. Okay, things that God said like, I will never leave you or forsake you. Maybe you need to hear that word stronger this Christmas time than you ever have before. Things like you are forgiven in me, right? You're washed, you're cleansed, we're holy and blameless before him. Maybe you need to hear those old words of the Lord in a way that you haven't heard them in a long time. Maybe you need to hear God speaking to you about his unconditional love in a fresh way. Maybe you need to hear that you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Like maybe those old promises that, that we need to hear again and, and hold on to it and recognize, man, there's so much power in that. Maybe it's the promise and the reminder that death has lost its sting, it's lost its victory, and we can walk in the Lord even amidst great loss. None of these things have lost their power. So here's what Joseph does. Let, let's just finish with these last couple of verses. It says that um, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And I love the simplicity of that. I mean, there's the, that's Matthew's Christmas story right there. We just walked through it, okay? That's the whole thing. Joseph woke from his dream, and he did just what the angel told him to do. He wasn't afraid. He, um, you know, this marriage is an act of bravery for sure, especially for Joseph. It's, a, it's an act of bravery here. And so Joseph steps in bravely and just does the thing that God was calling him to do, right? He knew it would be a hard road. There's plenty of gossip, right? We talked about it last week. John 8, we hear the Pharisees accusing Jesus of, um, hey, don't come after us. You're the one who was born illegitimately. Like th these rumors stayed with him. But I love God didn't care. God didn't try to clean up the mess. God didn't worry about what everyone else was saying. Joseph, Mary, I'm calling you to this path and this journey. Walk this way. You're going to be the ones that are going to raise my Messiah. 
I, I'm certain that jo- Joseph knew, like, we all have doubts as fathers. Like, am I going to be a good dad to these kids? And we just do our best, and we know we're messing up all the time. Guaranteed, Joseph knew he wouldn't be a great dad to the Messiah, okay? I can't even imagine. But he did it. He stepped forward. He did it a step at a time. And for us, it's just the reminder. It's the call back again to the reality that we already know of what is it God's calling us to, right? What's that word he's spoken? If he's speaking it, has spoken it, um, maybe it's just one of his old words that he's spoken that we need to hold on to these promises. But as we do, it's just that simple thing of saying, you know what, this is going to be hard, but I'm going to wake up, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to do something about what God's calling me to do. Simple steps, simple small things. Remember for Joseph and Mary, this looked like their situations they were facing, but it was as big as the universe itself. It was as big as redemptive history itself. I don't know what God's calling us to do, but I want us to be reminded of the fact that God speaks. And there's all these whispers around us. There's whispers that come from our own hearts that mislead us, um, that tear us down. But let's listen for the voice of the Lord to guide us, to encourage us. And so as we, as we close this time, um, I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And as we close this time together, I want us to um, take just a moment to listen. And so we're just going to have a couple seconds in silence here. And let's just ask the Lord to guide us. And so as we just close our eyes and try to quiet our hearts for a minute, Lord, we, as your people here, Lord, we want to invite you to just speak to us. And Lord, I think we probably all have taken stock of what is expected of us and what we think we ought to do and what somebody else wants us to do. But Lord, in this moment, would you please just speak to my brothers and sisters here in this space, uh, my brothers and sisters who are following along on the live stream, to me now, Lord, would you just speak to us? And Lord, is there some direction that you want to give? Is there some truth you want to bring to our minds? Is there something you want to affirm or to challenge us with this morning? Lord, would you just speak in this time? So, Lord, I don't know what you are saying or how you're nudging in this really brief moment. Lord, but I believe that you are speaking to us constantly. You say that your sheep hear your voice, Lord, and we want to be attentive to that. Lord, would you please just in the days ahead as we continue to worship now and as we walk through this Christmas season, would you continue to nudge and prompt and convict and encourage and confirm? So, Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, maybe... Maybe some new thing that you're putting on our heart. Maybe some course of action that you want us to take. Maybe some person that you want us to reach out to and bless. Or maybe an old promise. Something that you've said that we've known to be true, but may it take on new life for us. And Lord, even for those of us that in this space of time didn't hear anything and we don't know what what does that look like? What does it mean? Lord, would we just be open and attentive so that when you are ready to speak, that we would be ready and willing to listen to follow Joseph's example in just waking up and doing the thing that you're calling us to do. Lord, we offer that to you, and I pray that you'd be with us as we worship. We pray this in Jesus' name.